Welcome to episode 11 of Life of Brian Mannix, that is the podcast. I'm the host, Kevin Hillier, and here's the star, Brian Mannix. The star. Hello, yeah, well, Kev. You are. <laughs> the you are. star, please. Please. I tell you what, um, I'm really looking forward to um, this Friday because, um, as usual, we have a, 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 a national, a state holiday in Victoria oh, yes. for, um, the, for the grand final. We mm. have a day off the day before the grand final, which is... Normally absolute madness, but um, this year it seems even more mad because the grand final's not in Melbourne and we don't really need a day off. We've been had a day off since for seven months. Um, mm. What are we going to go with our holiday, Kev? <laughs> what well, are you going to do? I was going to go around the backyard four times. Um, right. <laughs> and, and maybe even venture down the bottom of the street. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have a public holiday oh, for that. Dear, oh, dear, idea. It's just insane in Melbourne. It's the the totally Australian insane. public holiday mentality has long been uh, the source of much mirth for overseas people who go, you what? You have a holiday for a horse race? What? Yes. And now you're telling me you have a holiday for the football grand final. <laughs> it's like and it's not even on that day. Yeah. So what do you do for like really big events like, you know, the the when your country was discovered and all those things? Oh, uh, we take a week off for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the logic's uh, that's the logic, isn't it, really? Uh, well, it's just as, as if business can afford to have another holiday. We've been on holiday all year. Um, yeah. I don't understand the logic of that, but anyway, there yeah. you go and here we are. Uh, the flexibility and adaptability that we're all going to have to have in life now post-COVID is, uh, is not reflected in many of the areas of the, uh, the governing bodies that look after us. Well said, Kev. Whoa. Yeah, vote one, Hillier. Uh, the, uh, the we party all the time party. Uh, <laughs> party all the time party. <laughs> That's one. I'd vote for that. We party so often we don't even know what sort of party we are anymore. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> now, speaking of parties, one man who knows how to party is our guest today and he is, he is I guess, a, uh, gee, what would you describe Sam Newman as? Australia's version of James Bond. Good, good description. Not bad. <laughs> um, Australia's version of Roger Moore, a younger version of Roger Moore. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite a suave, isn't he? Oh, no, he is. He's, he is he's, a very, very suave man. And he's a lovely bloke and, and very funny. Yes, he as is. As we all know. And, and we'll, we'll talk to him about a whole range of things. Today is part one of the, uh, the chat that we, uh, we have with Sam, so and talk about a whole range of things, uh, in, including uh, the American uh, political situation as it sits at the moment. We'll get Sam's thoughts on that, and they're a bit different to everyone else's. Sort of. No, they're pretty similar to mine, actually. <laughs> okay. well, we'll I've got, got, got similar thoughts to Sam, almost yeah. the same. Very good. <laughs> uh, and we're also going to catch up uh, a two-part uh, we've got to today um, with Peter O'Doherty and Reg Mombasa, who, of course, everyone knows as uh, a half of metal as anything. And they've got the new band Dog Trumpet, which has yeah. been going for quite a while now. Yes. In fact, I think they've been in Dog Trumpet longer than Mentals. But, yeah, um, <laughs> But they're great and, they, you know, they're talented artists and um, the Dog Trumpet is a really, really cool band. I really love them. I've been listening to them all the time since we um, I first discovered them and yeah. um, I've been getting Ronnie Gonzo to listen to them and uh, we're all liking them. 
Yeah, no, we've got a couple of songs to play too from their Dog Trumpet. Uh, uh, the CD is called Great South Road, uh, and we're going to play two tracks off that. One, the first one I'm going to play, I think, lyrically, is one of the most entertaining songs I've listened to in, a, in <laughs> such a long time. We'll talk to the boys about that shortly. But wanted to remind everyone about uh, Murcots. Uh, that's murcots.edu.au. That's the website. Go to their website and you'll find out everything that you need to know about uh, this company that's been around since the uh, the 1980s. Um, they're in uh, in the in the driving skills area. Uh, they'll help you out. one three hundred triple five five seven six. They'll help you think smarter and stay out of trouble on the roads. And that's uh, always a very good thing. Their COVID-19 uh, protocols are all in place and changing uh, as the COVID-19 protocols change. They're changing with them. They're a national company. So give them a buzz. one three hundred triple five five seven six. Uh, Mercots.edu.au. But let's uh, jump into our first part of our interview with Peter Doherty and Reg Mombasa, uh, the uh, Dog Trumpet Boys, Metal as Anything. And uh, Brian, I, I, w- I wonder what glamorous sort of rock and roll uh, uh, spot that we'll find them at. I don't know, Kev. Well, let's find out. Near uh, Long Bay Jail's about two streets away, so it gives you a bit of a fix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Brian knows where Long Bay Jail is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Spent a lot of time there. <laughs> yeah, it's a reference point for musicians. Well, we want to we want to talk about Dog Trumpet and about what you're doing with that, and uh, and this terrific CD that we've been both listening to, Great Southern Road. Um, so where where's kind of Dog Trumpet at at the moment with you two? Well, we had to cancel that too. We're going to go to Victoria and Canberra and down the south coast, and so all that didn't happen. So we're, we're, all we've been doing really is doing the live, um, we've been doing live Facebook concerts. You know, we've done about five of those and we've done one with it. We just do it, just the two of us. And we've also done one with the full band or on a on a streaming service you know, a couple of weeks ago. So that, I mean, that's what we've been doing to keep ourselves busy. Pretty much like uh, most musicians are really having to adapt to the new world. It's a fantastic yeah. album. Um, you know, oh, I've, been you. Listen- I've been listening to it um, all week. And it's really hard to describe it. I, I see you guys have described it as a blend of rock, psychedelic folk, and abstract blues. And I reckon it's all of those things. But it, it's kind of yeah. a great. It's got a great sense of humour, but it's really deep as well. And it's kind of unique, but it's kind of comfortable to listen to it. I think it's great. Where did you record it? Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's a shame you haven't written the review. That sounds like a good review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter does all the engineering and production. Yeah. Um, and, and arranging to some extent as well. Sort of been doing our last, well, most of our albums, the last four or five, we've done it at home. So uh, it just, it's just a nice, like, uh, you know, it's just a nice, easy way to do it. And you're not worrying about the expense of going to a studio and the pressure of having to get something, you know, and, that, and the time limit. So we can just spend as much time as we want. And in fact, it's been a good six years since our last album released. So um, this one, we, we hurried it out. <laughs> you know, we were going into the bedroom. Well, actually, we, we sort of left it for a couple of years and we sort of, it dribbled along. We had a few songs that ended up just being probably passing moments and we did a few demos and then concentrated on the actual recording of the album over the last couple of years. And who does what in the band? So like, I presume you're playing bass beat and we're yeah. playing the slide, but who sings and what's the breakdown of duties, if that's well, the right well, way to word it? Well, basically, you said 50... 50-50 in terms of the songwriting, we usually, we write our songs separately, although we obviously work on them together, you know, and come up with parts. But I mean, Peter, Peter plays guitar, mandolin and bass. I, I play, um, you know, guitar and slide guitar and I think I play bass on one play track. Bass. So, so we share the duties, you know, just share it out and, and 
play around with each song. You know, we try lots of things, and and we've I sort of got pretty good at at being able to be a, like a, a fairly hard editor. So we try lots of things that yeah at the time may seem good. So some of the songs have taken sort of U turns and, and or lateral turns, and, and we've you know they've they've changed out of sight from where they first began. We've, we've done two or three versions of a couple of the songs, so it's, it's a nice uh, free-form way of doing it. And, and in terms of singing, we, we sing our own songs, so again, we're singing sort of 50-50. Oh, okay. I, I love your lyrics. I think your lyrics are terrific. Oh, yeah. It's like, um, um, it's a beautiful day for a storm. I thought that was great. Gravity gets you down, keeps us in a state of fear of falling. I thought that was brilliant. And as for the Lonely Death Cleaning oh, Company, yes. how the hell did you think of that? That is fantastic. Well, well, well that's, a, that's, a, that's a true story. I read it in the paper, actually. It was just a, it was an article, of, you know, a couple of years ago about just about it's – it's a company in Japan that, and that, that they specialise in cleaning up after lonely death, which is where people die and no one knows. So their body basically rots and causes a bit of a chemical – biological problem in their in their home or their flat or whatever and that this story was about a guy and that, that had happened to so I just I just thought oh that's pretty sad and it's very kind of typical of the modern world you know because a lot of a, a lot of people I mean that, I mean that, that's one thing that you you would fear I think is being being lonely or or unwell and by yourself and you know I mean it it, it, it does. It seems to be happening more more frequently because there's less kind of community sort of involvement with people these days, unfortunately. Yeah, but Reg, how did well, you work in Eleanor Rigby into that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was just uh, well, you know, because in in the, in the Eleanor Rigby song, she was again, you know, had a lonely person, but but she actually, I think she, I think the song indicates that she owned her own home and went to church. So you know, so she probably had a little bit more social connection than the guy that, I, that I'm pretending to be in the song because I'm thinking at first person, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just, I thought it was amusing to, uh, you know, to uh, refer to someone else's song as that was a real thing. <laughs> Those cleaning companies, I think, operate, you know, all over the all over the place. Because a lot of the time the, um, the police will go in there and the forensic people will go in there, but they don't do the clean-up afterwards. So right. it's kind of it's oh. privatised. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, in the, in the, in the full sort of hazmat clean-up too because, you know, it can be a fairly unpleasant uh, well, process. Yeah. So it's a good pop song. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of funny as well. It's yeah. sort of, you know, there's a lot of juxtaposition all over the album, I reckon, because well, it sort yeah. of goes from sort of one extreme to the other and it's all fit together, which is a great achievement. I think it's really right. well produced too. Every, every sound seems to have a slot and there's space for everything and it's, not competing with itself at all. So, well done on uh, engineering that, Pete. It sounds oh, terrific. No, thanks. thanks. I spent a lot of time on it and, um, just, you know, just got a bit tangled up with it at the end with the mixing and then had it mastered. And and I, then I realised I hadn't really done the finished a couple of songs off quite uh, adequately. So, I, we, you know, we went back and did a bit of extra recording and then a little few bit of remixing and then had, had it mastered again. So... We went into a, it took another 12 months just to sort of get it, actually to sort of polish it off and finish it. We can indulge ourselves as much as we want. We don't have record companies, you know, insisting on singles, like, you know, which is always a bit uh, liberating. All right, well, let's have a listen to that song we just talked about. Here is Dog Trumpet. Here is Lonely Death Cleaning Company. Enjoy. The Lonely Death Cleaning Company Came along to clean up the mess 
There you go, that's Lonely Death Cleaning Company. Best lyrics. I just love those lyrics, Brian. I reckon they're sensational. I do too, and it's. Um, I always like a song where it's, it's written about something that nobody else has written about before, and yep. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that is the only song written about a lonely death cleaning company. So, yes. well done, boys. Yeah, I do. Where, where does uh, you know crime scene cleanups? Uh, where's that on your list of boy girl relationships? You know, it's, <laughs> it's way down the pecking order. <laughs> yeah, way way down. I sort though. They're, they're 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 a bit out there. And more to come from the boys. We'll talk about their art and uh, a whole lot of other things very very shortly. But now mm. it's time for that. 
ever-increasingly popular oh. segment on this program, Brian, what are they trying to prove? Well, Kev, I've, I've just about run out of patience with, with language and I'd just like to say that Essendon is not a place. It doesn't <laughs> exist. Essendon is not a football club. It doesn't <laughs> exist. There is a place, however, called Essendon. Oh. Essendon. And that Essendon is also a football club. Now, I think it's important to get this right. It's not important <laughs> to get it right. And it's just, I don't know what people are doing, but everybody seems to be saying important. It's not important. How how lazy are you that you can't say important or put the N in in Essendon? You know, these are the type of people, Kev, that are just too lazy to say the words properly and they're too lazy to flush the toilet. So you oh, go into no, the toilet and no, there's all no. yeah, there's all crap all over the joint because they're too lazy. And I'm just going to say this. It's important to say important. You know, what are you trying to do, improve the language? No. What are you trying to prove? It's important. Very important. Very Thank much you. so. Yes. We didn't say, you know, where will they be in 50, 50 years. You said 50. No. There's a T it's in not, it. And it's, it's not Carlton. It's Carlton. Yes. Just, you know, uh, it's not I'm much of an effort to say important. I'm with you, Brian. Good I'm on you, Kev. with you 100%. Fantastic. All right. Uh, 1300 uh, Mercots. We're with them too. au. But let's get back into part two of our talk with uh, Peter Doherty and Reg Mombasa. Rock on. We've all done some lousy gigs. Mine's a bad gig involving vomiting on the audience, which was is never a good thing to do. Yeah. Oh, nice. What, what's your guys' worst gig? Oh God, we've had how many? How much time have you got? <laughs> we, we, we did one once where we played at was it the Broadford um, Festival? It was like a um, oh yeah, the Vikings. Oh yeah, there was this ACDC cover band on before us that sort of went over time, and we. They went about two hours over time. Two hours over. So we ended up going on quite late, and it was the end of the weekend. All the all the guys were fairly out of it by then, and it wasn't many girls. It was mainly mainly men, and it was, it was a bit like being at a medieval, you know, castle. Really, I had to walk around before we played. But then once, and, and I've never said to Greedy, oh, I think we should play a few more, you know, blues and movie songs for this audience. And <laughs> Greedy said, Oh no, no, don't worry, we'll just do all the pop songs. Oh, they'll love it, you know. I said, Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> We started, and, and because we went on late, everyone was a bit more drunk than normal, and we went on. They started throwing cans and boots at us. And, uh, I mean, to put that in context, we were there. Uh, uh, the um, backstage was actually underneath the stage, so it was really loud. You know, we had to sort of sit through about two and a half hours of this ACD, ACDC cover band. Really loud. It was really cold, and we had our riders. So we drank the whiskey like really quick, smart, and we drank started drinking all the beer. By the time we got on stage, even Reg is saying we were, we'd drunk a little bit more than normal, but we were actually really, really pissed by the time we got off. <laughs> I, I remember everything. I was actually spinning a bit, you know, I couldn't kind of focus on the audience. And when we were doing with some of our pop songs, like Spirit Got Lost in a very jaunty, you know, pop melody, and there's all these angry bikies sort of, you know, like wishing that we were the ACDC cover band, they started throwing full cans at us. Oh, God. We are all having to stop and rush off and have pisses because we are all full of beer. (laughs) (laughs) It was a difficult night. And as we drove home, one of of our members, he had to to open the van. He said, said, pull over, pull over. And it was like, he was like a jack-in-the-box. He just sort of sprung out and and vomited immediately. Oh. Fantastic. (laughs) So, yeah, I I guess, you know, vomiting seems to be a common denominator in all these stories. 
That seemed to be. <laughs> so, so let me guess, you didn't do the Broadford Festival the following year? No. No. I mean, we, we did it again up in the Darwin, though. We, like we played at other bikey festivals and it was fine. You know, there was no yeah. problem. They were all pretty friendly and enjoyed it. We played a few. For some reason, this one that was just at the wrong time at the end of the <laughs> three-day-long weekend and they were all a bit, bit too sort of stoned and drunk. Uh, Fair enough. Um, we threw it together in... Uh, 1985, we went to Cairns and Darwin and uh, Townsville and Mackay. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a good tour, and because um, I think Live It Up was rocketing up the charts, and 50 Years was rocketing up the charts, and um, yeah, we we brained them on that tour. We had people everywhere. I bet you didn't list that as one of your best worst gigs ever. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember, I remember, we was playing at some joint. It was like an amphitheater. You could just smell the marijuana coming from the audience, and at the end of the gig. They keep their rescues, the ice and their rescues down. They get on their lids and they slide down the hill into the oh. thing. It was quite bizarre. Right. So what's going on art-wise, guys? Oh, still painting well, and doing yeah, exhibitions and stuff? Still painting and, and exhibiting. And I mean, that's sort of, again, the art world has taken a hit. You know, a lot of the galleries have just stopped having openings and uh, a lot of the galleries, the big galleries and museums just shut down for several months. So they're, they're all sort of opening up. Again now, but, but tentatively, you know, still not having openings. It's just a changing world, changing world. Yeah, true. Sure so I've got a little show in uh, Wellington, New Zealand, which opened a couple of days ago. But of course, I couldn't go, couldn't go there for that. So, uh, and they didn't have a, a, a an opening to call it, don't they? Yeah. And I had a I had an art show here in Sydney start, started in uh, in March. So about a week before it opened, we we had a meeting at the gallery. They said, "Well, we're not going to have a, a normal opening." We'll put the show up, but it won't be an opening at all. So, you know, we won't have any gatherings of people. People can still go to galleries, but, you know, again, it's just like it's just changed everything completely different. Hey, you know? hey, hey gents, <laughs> what do you put on your tax return? Do you put artist or musician? Oh, oh I think I put both because I earn money at both, so you kind of have to say both, I think. Yeah. Loser. Losing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just write idiot. I just write idiot on mine, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, with, with, with Dog Trumpet, Dog Trumpet sort of started as something you were meddling around with as a sabbatical from the, from the mentals, and the mentals took a little kind of holiday. Uh, 30 years later, yeah. did you did you expect you'd still be doing it, you know, 30 years later, still be playing around with it? We didn't think we'd still be alive. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, pretty much the same as the mentals, really. We just started and there was never any sort of, any, um, no one wrote down any, any projected, you know, uh, strategy of how the, of our, of our professional life. It was just like we just tumbled over from month to month and made, you know, wrote, wrote songs and recorded music. And it was the same with, um, with Dog Trumpet. We started doing it and, because we also in the mentals we had four songwriters, it was it was a bit of a surplus of songs being written that were never going to hit. Uh, we were never going to make a, um, a a mentals album, so that was a good reason for us to sort of to um, you know just to sort of shave off from the mentals and, and do do an album to, to start off with, and then we did another, and I think we're up to this is our seventh we've just released. Yeah. Uh, oddly, enough, oddly enough, we've done, we, I think we've, yeah, we, uh, Dog Trump, it's about 30 years and we only did 24 years of the mental. So, yeah. uh, oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was forever. But, well, you know, the good thing is that, that we've adapted to ourselves. You know, we're, we're not worrying about the outside world so much. You know, when you're in a band like the Mentals, you know, same with, with you know, with the um, X-Men, you would have been, you get on a kind of a, a bit of a treadmill, you know. You're on the, the rat on the wheel sort of thing at times. So yeah. we're certainly not a rat on a wheel anymore. We just do it for 
the pleasure of doing it and try and make the, the most, you know, the most sort of interesting artistic uh, records that we possibly can. And, you know, we put, we, we basically spend as much time as we want writing songs. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice ongoing, you know, project where there's, there's no end to it. We can keep on making albums as long as we can keep on writing songs. Yeah. I know myself <laughs> these days, when I write a song, I write a song that I want to hear and I don't care whether anybody else likes it. If I like it, then it's a success. And it's a good way to go because if it doesn't work, well, it's your own fault and you don't blame anybody. But there's nothing worse than somebody saying, you should do this and you do it not believing in it and then it doesn't yeah. work and you say, why didn't I back myself? Um, yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. So when you sort of, at, this, at our age, when you make music, it's like, well, this is for me and I like this and I like that and the world can jump on board or not. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, we've also got the, I suppose, the advantage, the two of us, you know, brothers, so we understand each other. We have that sibling kind of understanding of how each other plays and, and what to do on each other's songs or ways to approach it. So um, that's still pretty flexible, but it just means there's also, you, you don't have to come up with a whole album's worth of stuff yourself. You can you can share it out. And then even then, it takes a few years. So we're, well, you know, we we work slowly, but but um, sort Slow of and, steady. and relentlessly. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> what, enough. What, what about the sibling rivalry? Surely you've had punch fights, you two. You must have. Oh yeah, plenty of punch fights, but, but probably there. Well, when we were, uh, you know, eleven. Yeah, eleven. <laughs> I lost every one of them. I'm younger. I'm six and a half years older than Peter, so I managed. You know, I did. I did sort of torment him fairly relentlessly when we were kids. But yeah. But as adults, we seem to have been able to avoid punching each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but don't try that at, kid, just at home, kids. Just, uh, you know. Yeah, don't, don't try sibling rivalry at home. No. <laughs> hey, uh, someone, no, told me you, someone told me you know, the Dog Trumpet shows you're doing a couple of metal songs. Which ones have you kind of carried into the Dog Trumpet set? Well, we only do the ones that we've written ourselves. So yeah. we, we, always, we, do, we, we often do uh, Berserk Warriors, which Peter wrote, and I, we do... Um, is Egypt and mine, but one good thing about doing these um, Facebook concerts is we have actually, and because because our, our band doesn't really know a lot of the old mental stuff, we we've yeah. been we've been dredging up a few of our old um, early songs and and playing them, which has been quite good fun actually. You know, songs that some songs we hadn't played for forty years. Oh yeah, you yeah. have a clue how to play unless you listen to the record and learn it again. But it's been, it's been songs, songs off the first couple of albums, which, you know, we'd, we'd, we didn't, didn't even play with the mentals much on the, on the road. So, you know, it's, it's been interesting, you know, just revive, like just going into this world of little homemade concerts. You know, you can do whatever you want. And because we've done a, a few of them, you play a few of the well-known songs and you sort of go into the more obscure ones and we've been playing, you know, just interesting covers that we like to play, songs from... All eras, you know, yeah. in the twenties and thirties. Have you boys caught any of Brian's late night work on Facebook? Oh, no. <laughs> we, we're about to have a look right now. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I think I've, I think I've deleted most of it. <laughs> sometimes when you've had a you know half a bottle of scotch, it seems like the perfect time to get your guitar out, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> well, it, it, it can be a, a good loosener. Funnily <laughs> 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 enough, I, I actually find the, the you know the, the Facebook the live online things more stressful than playing live for some reason. It's kind of maybe yeah, I can't see the audience or something. Yeah, it is a bit weird when you guys aren't <laughs> painting or playing music. Um, do you get into sport at all? 
Oh, no, we avoid sport. No, I don't. I'm, oh, well, I mean, the only sport I do is hopping in and out of my car. Right. Really. No, Fair enough. That's the only exercise. Or going up the ladder into the studio, I've got another pull-down ladder, so that, that's my exercise. No, we've both sort of completely successfully avoided sport and, and almost every single sport. But you didn't avoid the uh, the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. You, were in, you had an involvement in that. No, I was involved in that, but I didn't, I didn't compete. No, no, I'm aware of that, Rich. <laughs> I, 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 did, I did notice you weren't in the, in the same race as Cathy Freeman. I had picked up on that, but but you were involved in it. I mean, that's that's 20 years ago uh, this month. Yeah, yeah, no, well, I was involved in that. I was a bit sort of wary at first because the, yeah, the guy that ran Mambo suggested we do it. They, they've had an offer, and I said, oh, I don't know about that. It's, you know, it's a bit mainstream, you know, but, um, but we, you know, we did it, and in the end it was good fun, and it was, it was pretty weird. You know, having your stuff in front of hundreds of millions of people because that's yeah. how many people watch it apparently on TV. So, so that was that was kind of a big a big show, a big art show. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I remember when it, it it started, the opening ceremony started. It sitting there at home thinking, "Oh God, I hope they don't stuff this up as Australians can." And um, <laughs> I was so relieved when the, you know when it started. Oh, this is good. And um, <laughs> yeah, I thought they did a great job, and I would have thought. Be fantastic drill for you to, um, you know, have it feel like all your stuff up there and getting beamed around the world. I just think that'd be mighty. Yeah, I oh, know, it definitely was. No, so I, I, I didn't. I mean, you know, obviously you're a bit, bit nervous too leading up to it, but in the end, it was it was a good experience. I think. Yeah, it was great. So 2021, boys. So you're going to get uh, Dog Trumpet on the road, hopefully, and uh, and uh, keep uh, potting away with that. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we will certainly keep writing and recording, and hopefully we can. And we'll keep doing the online stuff, and hopefully we can do some actual, real, live, you know, live gigs again. That would that would be a great pleasure. We'll all have to pick up from where we left off. We had a whole lot of gigs booked in Victoria, around Melbourne, and and then rural Victoria, but um, all gone. So we'll see. But yeah, we're, I mean, surely we'll all do some of this stuff again in the future. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope so. It's a bit like a science fiction horror film, isn't it? In a in a sense, and yeah. we look at the news from. It sure is like we're living in a zombie movie. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, in a zombie. And the, the Victorians, unfortunately, are zombie apocalypse. We're avoiding you yeah. play. We're even less popular than we normally are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, gents, congratulations on Great Southern Road. So terrific, CD. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, and and thanks so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks for having us on, on guys. That was uh, fun talking to you. Good on you, fellas. Thank you. Okay, no worries. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Reg. Okay, see ya. Bye. Pete O'Doherty and Reg Mombasa, and we're going to finish the show. Not now. We've still got a bit more to go. No, no We're going to finish yet. the show this week with uh, the uh, the song from uh, Great South Road, which is called Gravity. So That's a, it's a beauty. It's a really good song. Really good song. And I must admit, Pete wrote my favourite uh, all-time metal as anything song, uh, Berserk Warriors. That still to this day is my favourite metal song. It's certainly one of their best, absolutely. All right, speaking of mentals, you and uh, Sam Newman in the same room. <laughs> Goodness gracious me, what was I thinking? Oh, you should have seen us out on the bay together. It was, <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> well, that's coming up in part two. We've only, uh, we're have going to play part one of the interview with uh, Sam today. And uh, part two part two will go into uh, <laughs> Pamela Anderson, Dawn. Oh. The front uh, part of his uh, of a house that he owned. Uh, we'll go into the high jinks on the high seas uh, with you and a whole cast of uh, <laughs> cast of thousands and uh, all that. That's in part two. Part one, we're going to talk about Donald Trump and a whole lot of other things with your mate, your mate Brian. Who Donald Trump? 
<laughs> Sam Newman, you idiot. Sam Newman? Oh, Sammy's a beauty. He's a ripper. He's a great Aussie. All right, so oh, I'm good. rolling on it. So uh, everything everything uh, you say from now on will be used in evidence against you. Hi, Sam. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> how are you, Sam? How's, how, how are you handling the lockdown thing? Well, we're just cruising from one day to another. Pretty uh, exciting times, really. We now now know what a battery hen feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you've got an album out, Sam. Have I? What is I it? Do, I do my best work after midnight. Oh, you know, now uh, that's, that's 15, 20 years old, mate. That's not an oh. album. It was a, I, I was asked by uh, the record company, whose name I can't remember, said, um, uh, could I pick my favourite songs uh, that I'd put on a playlist? And the proviso was I had to sing on two of the tracks. So I sang... I think I've got you under my skin and uh, witchcraft. Uh, right. I sang those, and uh, the others are just uh, my selection that they uh, were able to get the copyright of and put on a album called "I Do My Best Work After Midnight." I could be put in jail for perjury because uh, my best work after midnight is a long, long time ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> What other acts did you have on the on the playlist? Well, I think I had just off the top of my head, and this will be good, uh, Reminiscing by uh, the Little River Band, a um, yeah. couple of Michael Jackson songs, Barry White song, uh, just Neil Sedaka, I think, uh, just all songs that were around, as, they, as Don Lund used to say, uh, when I was at all songs that were around when I was a little closer to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember who Don Lund was. Absolutely, yeah, I do. Don the do-gooder. It was reported that I remember being staggered by this. He was the number one whatever time slot he was on, and they said he was getting $60,000 a... He couldn't be getting $60,000 a week, could he? No. Um, no. $60,000 a year, would it be? Probably would have been, no, yeah. I, no, probably would have been yeah. the 60s. That's about it. That was, that was top... That was absolutely top-shelf money. I remember thinking that was extraordinary money. What, what sort of money did you get when you first started playing footy? Well, I started in 63 uh, by playing in a couple of three reserve games from the school I went to, and then I played in the um, two final games in the reserves before leaving school, and then I started in 1964 before decimal currency, and we got £10. Ten pounds a game. I don't know if you ever saw a ten pound note, uh, or if you ever can remember what it looked like. But it was a big red thing. It was about as big as a full scrap sheet of paper, yeah. and that was and that was the standard payment for everyone that played in those days. That would have been good money then, though, wouldn't it? Uh, well, Eighty pound a year. I remember taking. They used to pay us in cash. I remember taking home uh, the ninety pounds for the half year to my dear old mum and dad down at Point Lonsdale and I put the 90 pounds on the table and my mother said, you know, she said, I've never seen so much money all at once in a pile. Oh, wow. Wow. I don't know what that would translate to today, but probably not a hell of a lot. But uh, anyhow, that was the standard payment. No such thing as contracts in those days. Brian has a real problem with what footballers get paid these days. He thinks it's wrong that footballers <laughs> get paid more than brain surgeons. <laughs> well... That, that, of course, is a very good argument, Brian. Say that about anything, I suppose, entertainment. It's just supply and demand, isn't it? It's just uh, yeah. what the what the market can afford and what it would look when you look at what 
uh, soccer players or football players overseas get the um, it's extraordinary. I think um, Ronaldo or Messi, I think they were getting, I looked this up the other day because we were chatting about it on our podcast. I think he was on, he was on 150 million a year with uh, contracts and endorsements. Uh, they want you and they can afford it, they'll pay for it. Well, they reckon recently Messi was, because he wanted to get out of Barcelona, and they reckon yes. it was just $1.5 billion or something to play, get him out of there. That's but, right, but, and uh, we, we mentioned this, uh, look, uh, and uh, I love them, the Adelaide Football Club. This is the uh, Adelaide Soccer Club. One of the soccer clubs invited him to come and play. If he wanted to get out of Barcelona, <laughs> they invited him to come and play and bring his family out and stay in Adelaide and play there for a year or two, and I thought, God love them. So David, you, you never know unless you ask. Imagine, imagine Messi opening the email and saying to his missus, "You wouldn't believe it. There's a club in Australia, the Adelaide, uh, whatever they're called, soccer club. Want us to come out there? They're not sure what pay me, but they said, would you like to come out for a couple of years and live out here? So I thought that would be mirthful. I think so too. Um, but yeah, it sort of just gets to me like. A brain surgeon in Australia makes about $296,000. And I'm thinking, half of these blokes get $900,000. They can't even kick straight to get a goal. So I'm thinking, if the brain surgeon had the accuracy of some of our footballers, there'd be dead people everywhere. Yeah, mate, the, the, the anomalies and the vagaries of life. Um, it is extraordinary, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. Um, so you haven't had your boat. And that's gone to heaven. And you can't go to the restaurant because you can't play golf. So, see, what do you do all day? It's a very, very good question, Brian. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I dragged myself out of bed early. I, I don't know, you haven't quite got to uh, this stage yet, but when you get a bit older, you uh, go to bed early and you wake up early. So I get up at six and it um, takes me about half an hour to straighten myself up and then I... Uh, wander down to a little um, warehouse I've got where you visited, Brian, oh, and yes. um, I think around with uh, the only thing that interests me these days, which is a couple of old cars I have. I'm not sure how much more I can polish them or look at them or spray them with uh, whatever wax. I've, um, they're the most, uh, they shine like a diamond, the cars do, so that's all I do, mate, and uh, that's all we're allowed to do. And when you think about it, uh, we will look back on this um, 2020 and we'll think this is the most extraordinary. The fact that we put up with this, and this is why we do put up with it, because we're not as into civil disobedience like they are on the other side of the planet in uh, North America at the minute. Um, why we put up with this and uh, is beyond me, but uh, we're passive people generally. We don't like to uh, loot or riot or set fire to things or... Uh, uh, pick it too much. Oh, pick it too much. Uh, some people pick it a lot, but um, uh, why we put up with it is because we're just uh, we're just we're just passive onlookers. To uh, this is not a political statement, but how this <laughs> how this uh, the people running this state have a, have been allowed to get away what they've got away with is extraordinary. And as I tell you, there's, this is not necessarily a political statement. If the Liberal government was in power. Uh, I would be even more vehement uh, with them, but uh, this is extraordinary. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Have you been taking much of an interest in, uh, in Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Now, just wait till I finish this because you'll think, oh, my God. Um, 
Besides winning or playing in a winning grand final uh, in uh, in football, AFL or VFL when I played, the greatest thing I hope is that Donald Trump gets re-elected as president because that will give me another four years of the most entertaining television from overseas that you could possibly watch. The thrust and parry and the back and forth between the mainstream media over there and 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 Trump, uh, the Trump camp, is the most entertaining stuff I've seen. Uh, and if he happens not to get in, uh, that will be the end of my uh, television viewing from overseas. I'll have to start watching a whole lot of Netflix stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I think he's really entertaining. And I love the way he sort of just say something like, okay, we just had a meeting. It was a good meeting. It was a great meeting. In fact, it was probably the best meeting in American history, probably the greatest meeting in the world, and he just keeps pumping it up. And, oh, he said, he, and look, whether you're oh, – I'll tell you, people will be listening to this. You, you, you get actually dissuaded from saying you're a Trump. You like what he does because uh, the, the absolute hostility to anyone that thinks he's all right – but I just enjoy the fact he plays them on a break. He will not play them on on their rules. And that's why he started tweeting, so that he could cut out the press conferences. He could say what he uh, likes. He, whether you like it or not, he just says it as it is. And um, if ever you've seen a, a divided uh, constituency or a divided nation for a whole lot of reasons, it is extraordinary what's going on over there. All right, that is only part one. Of oh. the Sam Newman interview. <laughs> Part two goes into the uh, property he bought, which uh, he, uh, and how the Pamela Anderson um, image w- finished up on the front of it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about hijinks on the high sea. You alluded to the fact that you went out on the boat with him one day. Yes, I did, and mm. what a lovely day. But um, oh, right. yeah, some interesting company on the boat. But uh, well, we'll get to that next week. Was it more uh, sort of? Was it more Titanic, or was it uh, the SS Minnow, or what? Give us a give us a hint of what um, it was. Well, I think the week after uh, it was more SS Minnow, but um, <laughs> it was more um, it was more uh, party politics. I would think. Okay, right, all right. So that's all coming up next week, and uh, Sam will talk about a whole range of things. We're also going to talk about Sam's very much musical interest because he he kind of fancies himself a bit, uh, you know, as a as a bit of a singer. Well, he goes all right. He's not too bad. Not too like shabby yourself, at all. Brian. He fancies himself as a singer. Well, that's right. I got my second gold record before I realised I could, <laughs> couldn't sing, but. Anyway, it doesn't and, matter. Uh, and I've got a promise that you've made that uh, that I want to reveal to people uh, before the end of this podcast. Steve right. War's also going to be on the next edition of uh, of Life of Brian. How about that? Now there is another great Australian, fantastic, yep. probably the most successful cricket captain we've ever had. Yep, because he had a hell of a team. Yep, and um, and a really good humanitarian as well, which we will discover. Yeah, he's got a new book out called The Spirit of Cricket India. So we'll talk to him about that and a whole lot of other things uh, on the next Life of Brian podcast course. With thanks to Murcotts, that's murcotts.edu.au, one three hundred triple five five seven six. That's their number. If you're about to head back into you know the workforce again, hopefully, and uh, get behind the wheel of a car and you're a bit worried and you need a refresher or you've got a business that's about to welcome a whole lot of people back who haven't been on the road with other people, uh, now's the time to call Murcotts. one 555 Now, Brian, I think that's a wonderful promise that you've made to the people of Australia. What that was when, that, Kev? That when Essendon win a grand final uh, or make a grand final, that you will sing uh, live for free. Yes, I will. Uh, Barnsley was going to do it if Port Adelaide made it through, but uh, they didn't make it through, so... Yeah.
No, it's terrific, and we've got we've got it booked in for you. It'll be live right around mm-hmm. Australia from the Gadinsky Home for Old Rockers and Leighton Showoffs. <coughs> so we're looking forward to bringing that to, to you in probably in twenty or thirty years' time. Yes, they're going terrifically well, Essendon. Huh? <laughs> it's important yeah. that they get these things right. It's very important. Yes, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's and putting the ends in where they should be. And exactly. uh, speaking of ends, that is the ends of this one. We're done. Uh, thank you, Brian. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> you. It's you the much. ends. That, yeah, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. one three hundred triple five five seven six. that's Murcott's number, and we're going to finish with the great little song we, which we talked about from uh, the Dog Trumpet Boys, Gravity. Till the next time, Brian, take care. Elvis has left the building. you down, it pulls you to the ground, keep us in a state of fear of falling, I said to Newton, I said to Einstein, all the things that weigh us down are just as you describe, oh, gravity make us all fall down, bang, bang on the ground, keep us in a state of fear of falling, keep us in a state of fear of falling. Oh, gravity